1: The Bobcats do not. And so far... Everything is according to schedule. It is to Telenuanas one on 1029 ESPN Radio. Outstanding to be with you on this Tuesday afternoon. That's right, the day after Labor Day is a Tuesday. It is still a Montana football hour show. However, great to have you on board. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon. Hope you are having a fantastic day. We are broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris studios. Kurtz Polaris is at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 and Celian Online at Kurtz Polaris. You can find us on the World Wide Web, the very same, at 1029ESPN.com, 1029ESPN.com. The website there, you can listen live on the Listen Live tab. It's called a stream, and it's brought to us by Opportunity Bank your local bank, your opportunity. You want to call, tell us about the game that you watched, the games that you watched, the Montana Grizzlies versus South Dakota, the Montana State Bobcats at Texas Tech. 329- 1899, the phone number. 329- the phone number. All guests join us via the Raggage Brothers RV phone line. So very much to get to. Obviously, we are going to spend uh, well, all our time trafficking in week one of the college football season in the state of Montana. It is the Montana football hour that leads the first hour of every week. Normally, it's a Monday, this particular week being a holiday week, it is a Tuesday. Uh, but the Montana Football Hour commences right now. It is brought to us by Lithia Ford of Missoula. We also we're going to go through. We're going to hear from both the head football coaches, Bobby Hauk and Jeff Choate, uh, out of their press conferences from yesterday about the games. Uh, we will we will spend most of our time looking on the weekend that was. We will spend the rest of the week looking forward into Week Two. But we'll spend most of our time here on the South Dakota game uh, for the Grizzlies, and uh, uh, of course on the Texas Tech game. For Montana State, we will hear from both coaches. We will talk about these games. We'll talk about what we saw, what we thought was good. We'll talk about what was worth, uh, what you know was good and building on for both these teams. We'll talk about what was lacking for both these teams and what they need to improve. Uh, and of course, we will talk about Coulter Nuana's being at the Dave Matthews concert at the Gorge for the weekend, and yet still finding his way to the public library in George Washington to do his due diligence and watch both of these games in the comfort of some wooden chair amidst a crowd of strangers. Very well done. That is dedicated. Don't don't tell us now. I don't even <laughs> I want to know now. I want to know later. Okay? We're okay. going to talk about this later. We're going to hear, we're, let, let's start, Coulter, with, look, the Montana State game was interesting uh, it was, it was uh, a fun game to watch the atmosphere is just under 55,000 people there, the heat and a very good football team in Texas tech. It went the way that, you know, we kind of thought that it would go, uh, more or less 45 to 10. I thought that Montana state actually was really competitive in a lot of ways in this game. And then other ways that they were, you know, you just clearly saw what it is to have a big 12, uh, power five team, I guess an FCS team. So that stuff showed up too. Um, but it, it sort of went. To script, although there was a couple moments where it looked like Montana State might kind of be around in this thing for a little while. So we'll get to that game, but I think it was less... I don't know how much there is to take out of that game. There are certainly some things, but Montana's game I thought was a like-like opponent. It was a Missouri Valley Big Sky challenge game. It was a you know uh, a, a game that Montana was actually favored in by three points. But you never know in the first game against you know what you think is going to be a, a, a good South Dakota team, and the Montana Grizzlies go in and win this game. Thirty-one to seventeen over uh, over the Yotes of South Dakota, and a game culture that after the first quarter uh, was very low scoring. Not a lot going on in this football game early in it. In fact, no score whatsoever for either team in the first quarter. The defenses were dominant. Certainly, Montana uh, was not able to find a rhythm outside of the very first play of the game, which we'll hear uh, from Coach on a little bit. Uh, uh, you know, throwing deep, but the running game, not there to be found. The offensive line did not look good in the first quarter, Uh, but also it it was all of the things that Bobby Howe talked about leading up to this game. Look, we have no idea what Travis Johansson's defense is going to have in store. We have no idea how they're going to play us defensively. We're going to have to figure that some of that stuff stuff out. Certainly they did. And it was a prolific passing day for Dalton Sneed, and for Samari Torre, and for Sammy Akem. And so we'll we'll, we'll get to all that stuff. But what was your number one just broad takeaway in this football game for Montana, a 31-17 win?
0: Well, I I left the library in George Washington chuckling a little bit because I think that coaches have their ideal scores, right? And this is all just assumption, but it's still – it's just, I always think to myself, what, what kind of game would Bobby Houck most want to play? And I think a 31 17 win is Bobby Hawk's favorite score. I mean, he, he'd, he'd, probably right. love, he'd probably love to beat you 31 nothing. Right. But, but I just can't tell you how many times the Grizz during Bobby Hawk's first tenure won 31 17, 35 17. You know, figure, feel it out early, avalanche you in the middle, and then sit on you late. And that's what Montana did. I thought it took them them 22 minutes to figure out the positionless defense that Travis Johansson likes to run at South Dakota. Which, by the way, I think that that's a defense that could catch on trend-wise around college football in certain leagues, like maybe the Big 12. South Dakota's going to get killed in the the Missouri Valley if they try to roll with that amount of undersized guys. If they... They were stacking the box against Montana, which I thought was a very interesting scout. And after the game, Bob Nielsen said we had to slow down this prolific running game, which I thought was also interesting because Montana did not run the ball very well last year at all. So I thought that was an interesting scout. I wonder if they were looking at tape of Coach Houck's first tenure and looking at Lex Hilliard and Chase Reynolds running the ball. Because last year, we make no mistake, Montana actually averaged 150 rushing yards a game, which was... uh, Totally superior effort to maybe what you would expect given their talent at the offensive line and their talent at running back. But that said, that wouldn't have been my scout on Montana.
1: Well, and and a lot of that was Dalton Sneed rushing no doubt. the football, right? No
0: doubt. And, and so I thought it was interesting that that uh, South Dakota went all in. But I also thought that um, you know if, if they're going to play it, it, that, that positionless defense, it's almost like it's a flex where you put a lot more guys with speed on the field. And I, I get what they're going for, and it, it is a way to mitigate the. RPOs that are so prevalent, the run-pass option stuff that's so prevalent in college football today. But if they were to run the same personnel in the same packages against North Dakota State, they're going to give up 400 yards rushing in that game, in the Missouri Valley. Regardless, though, I thought that once Dalton Sneed got locked in, once Tim Rosenbaugh sort of handed the the reins to Dalton Sneed to make the checks at the line, he was basically just doing a box count, and when he saw uh, the numbers he liked in the box, just checked to a quick slant to Samari Torrey or Sammy Kim and get the ball out, or check to a quick out to Jerry well, Lou McGee, but I thought Dalton Sneed himself looked incredibly sharp, and I thought once Montana f- turned the key and, and sort of solved the code, you're off and running. Yeah. And then there was a middle part of that game where Montana's offense was absolutely unstoppable. They were, they were just absolutely doing whatever they wanted. Mm-hmm. Last eight minutes of the first half into about the first ten minutes of the second half, and then they kind of switched it back around and just tried to they wanted to just sit on the clock and just get out of there with a road win, But if if i got this right, I
1: believe Montana scored on five consecutive consecutive possessions. possessions. And, and the only one of those that wasn't a touchdown was because it was the field goal at the end of the half, uh, which was, you know, a nice kick 43 yard field goal after a missed field goal early, by the way, Brandon Purdy, uh, 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 getting a field goal uh, there at the end uh, to cap uh, a stellar first half, but right. No scoring in the first quarter, no scoring in the fourth quarter, 31-17 in in the second and third quarters for Montana. Uh, Let's hear from Bobby Houck. This is his just kind of opening remarks about uh, the game and kind of what he thought coming out of it. This is from yesterday.
3: Well, we're excited to have won the opener, and and that's all you can do is win any week that you're in and and be 1-0 that week, which we were last week. So uh, happy to go on the road and and beat really good football team at their place Um, it's not lost on us that the uh, 16 previous home openers were won by the home team there and and, uh, obviously it's a tough place to open the season and I'm proud of our guys for going and getting that win Uh, so with that we've got to get back to work this week and improve we've got a whole bunch of things there's a laundry list of things we need to fix that we didn't do well enough and, and uh you know, it's a big week for us in terms of improvement and trying to correct um, all the different things we need to fix.
1: Now he says that any coach is, you know, is almost always going to say that coming out of week one, no matter what the, the score is or whatever. Uh, but to you, Coulter, what were the things that note that you might note on a quote laundry list of things that Montana does need to improve and that you expect them to? Because they, I thought they looked, frankly, really good. I thought they looked really good overall against a good football team on the road. Again, it's a game that you and I both expected them to win, uh, and they and and and, and win handily, and they did just that. Uh, but there's always going to be things, and what were what is one thing? Is one thing that stood out to you as a hey, this is, you know, all well and good, great win. Got to get better here.
0: From, from a team perspective, I thought that the the elevated level of effort is so noticeable. Yes. They they run to the ball and they they it was a, it was an improvement right out the gates last year compared to the the previous I mean I would even call it 6 years before that. But this year they are flying to the ball. And we'll, we'll see if it lasts. It's the first game out the gates, but I thought at all three levels of the defense it was impressive watching guys run to the football. Guys that really popped to me, Alex Gubner who's number 99, maybe somebody that Chris fans are still getting acclimated with. He's a redshirt freshman. Call it D-tackle, D-end hybrid. He's kind of playing both spots. He really popped. I thought Jace Lewis looked tremendous in his aggressiveness and his sideline-to-sideline side speed. And I thought Robbie Houck is even more of a heat-seeking missile than he yeah. was a year ago. I, mean, yes. his, his, if you, I, I, I watched this game live, but then I also rewatched it twice last night. And I, you know, I just on fast forward, but I wanted to watch. I spent just about a half an hour just watching Robbie Houck. The level of effort that he plays with is is unparalleled. I mean, he he sprints to the ball every time, and you can see it with the whole defense. Though, they all run to the ball, and it's such a simple principle in football. But it's something that Bobby Hauk has been so good at emphasizing for so long, and that is. Run to the ball and tackle well, and if you do that, you give yourself a chance because you don't have these momentum swinging big plays that you're going to give up. Even though South Dakota, I thought South Dakota's quarterback Austin Simmons was really good. That was a good player. I thought the the little receiver was a great player. I thought he had himself
1: a day. And yeah, Cannon Brooks. Yeah, I mean he, he was, was f- f- lights out. Or excuse me, excuse me, Cody Case. Yeah, Cody uh, Case. Cody yeah, yeah, Case. Yeah. Cody Case. Eleven receptions, 144 yards, and and. I mean, you, the the tip pass, you know, ball that he turned around and caught, you can maybe chalk that up to, you know, yeah, he stuck with it, but it's also good fortune or whatever. But he made some unbelievable skill catches in traffic on the sidelines where it was pretty good defense played. He was outstanding, and and uh, I really enjoyed watching him play. Well, hello there, my friends. Ryan Tutel here, and you probably know that Blackfoot is a local partner for Internet, Voice, and Professional Services it helps businesses just like yours all around the state of Montana, but maybe you don't know just how much they're actually doing, you couldn't even imagine how many miles, yes, miles, like hundreds of miles of fiber optic cable they are laying across the state of Montana and specifically now in Bozeman and the Gallatin Valley near St. Ignatius and several other regions to increase the connectivity and speed in which we can communicate to that of light. That's right, fiber optics, they work with light. Did you know that? Quite a lesson if you want to go study it, I encourage you to do so. Hey, go visit goblackfoot.com and see what it is that they're up to. I think you'll be amazed at all of the work that is being done just so that we can talk quickly with each other and do things like, I don't know, listen to a 2 tell Nuanas podcast. 866-541-5000 to give them a call or online at goblackfoot.com. You can click the link in the description while you're listening and just check out what they're up to. Support the ones who support us. Blackfoot.
0: So, so I thought that that was the most noticeable part on defense. I also thought that individually, almost every guy that you would hope to get better got better, even guys that were elite. But what do they got to get better at? What well, do I, I, so better that that, that brings short. me that brings me to my point. I think the offensive line is still a concern. Yes. I think the offensive line, I think they had a really hard time getting a push. Uh, you could definitely tell that the lineup has been shuffled a little bit. I'm not sure what's going on with Cordell Pilon's, but he was listed as the opening game starter, but then he did not play. Tyler Ganong, who's a redshirt freshman, played right guard. Uh, Angel Villanueva back into the starting lineup at left guard. I thought he looked okay, but not necessarily dominant. Uh, and, and just the Grizz, just coming off the ball in general, they they were just okay. It was not it was not maybe the the level of intensity and the level of physicality that you would want out of a first game because they showed that across the board. Other than the offensive line, so you don't really know if that was just a bad matchup. I will say this: I thought South Dakota was overwhelmed, man for man, at the linebacker spots and at the in the defensive secondary, their their secondary could not cover Montana. No chance. No, no chance. chance. Yeah. But I did think their D line was good. Uh, the Greenfield kid was as advertised. He's a first team All American, and he was a handful for Conlon Beaver and for Colton Kynes. He he's a beast. I mean, that I mean, if you are first team All League in the Missouri Valley, I mean, he's a second team All American two years in a row. Yes, you are one of the best DNs in the Missouri Valley. You are one of the best DNs in the country. So that's going to be a, a you know one of the better tests that Montana's tackles are going to get. But I definitely thought that the run game was lacking. I thought that uh, just the burst from the running backs and the push from the offensive line, it was all lacking. But I thought that Montana's coaching staff deserves so much credit for dissecting what South Dakota was doing defensively and then putting, empowering Dalton Sneed. And when, when Sneed was the guy that was running the offense, Montana looked unstoppable. And I think that that might be something that they need to fall back on a lot this year. But I just think if they can truly, make no mistake, Coach Houck wants to run the ball early, often, and with authority. Period. It's it's his DNA. It's what he's always wanted to do. I, I just think you're going to find you're going to be having an almost impossible time finding an FCS team that's going to be able to match up with the weapons Montana can put on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. When you're running bootleg stuff and Dalton Sneed is rolling out and throwing on the run, and you've got Samari Torre and Sammy Kim running route concepts, it, it's it's unstoppable. You can't. There is no answer for it. There's no athletes that can guard those guys. So. You know, I, I do think it's a,
1: good, it's a good thing that you can fall back on if you're the Grizz. Uh, the first offensive play of the game was a cause for great optimism for Montana fans as Dalton Sneed found uh, Samari Tori De- Deep down the middle, a uh, great pass, a great catch uh, on the very first play of the game after, by the way, a, a defense that drove South Dakota straight to the aft. I mean, they were headed south as soon as they stepped onto the field offensively on their first possession. I thought the defense was great in this football game for Montana, but a question was posed uh, to to Coach Houck about that first play. Hey, why are you taking a shot there? Is that something that you expect to do as you
3: continue on through the season? Well, I'm again, that's a week-to-week thing. You know, it's all game plan, and um, part of that was the fact that we didn't know how they were going to play us up front, so... If you're gonna to try to feel things out, you might as well let it rip down the field. And see what
1: happens. See, there's a little philosophy philosophy for you. We
3: don't know what's gonna happen.
1: Hey, let's let's hand it off a couple of times, see what they do. Let's pitch it outside. No, 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 let's just drop back and just let it rip. You might as well just let it rip and see what happens. And uh, it was uh, uh oh. A play that in itself came to nothing it ended up you know being a, a defensive stop and then a missed field goal uh there off the bat but it's it was it was a harbinger of things to come with montana having again i think it was dalton sneed's uh best day through the air 430 yards passing on 52 pass attempts and those 52 attempts uh were noted and that was another question that bobby Hack was asked throwing the ball 52 times that's a lot is that something you expect to continue over the course of
3: the season yeah, those. I mean, those statistics are skewed a little bit because half of those throws—I don't know what the number is—half those throws are are, are run-pass option, and they got thrown. So, you know, twenty-five of those could have been runs just as well. It's all based on how the the defense is playing us.
1: Okay, so half of those are RPO that turned out to be the P and not the R. Um, I am I am with you though. I think that. Of course, it's how the defense plays you, but it's also what the defense is able to do. And if the defense is able to overwhelm or be, you know, be winning in the main up front, then the RPO becomes P a lot more that becomes R. Like, that's just the kind of way that it works. And to your point, Bob Nielsen, South Dakota head coach, said we planned to stop the run. And by and large, they did. By the way, 98 total yards rushing in this game for the Grizzlies on 28 attempts. Dalton Sneed had the most rushing attempts, though, 10 for 25 yards. Jerry Louie McGee ran the ball once for 14. But other than that, between Marcus Knight and Adam Eastwood, who are the only two actual running backs to carry the football on a direct handoff, they had 14 rushes for 59 yards. That's not a, First of all, it's not a lot of attempts, especially between two guys. I mean, it's not a lot of carries. Um I thought that Marcus Knight was clearly the better of the two in terms of carrying the football, his vision, his cutback ability was good. He did have uh, a touchdown reception in this game, uh, which was nice, but in either case running the football. And again, maybe you can give South Dakota some credit because if that's the the game plan that they had, okay, that's well and good. Uh, But, when it just started working down the field and it worked early and often for Montana throughout the second and third quarters, you're just not going to run the ball all that much. So I still think it's the early returns are not great for the Montana run game, but also there's not a lot to look at so far because it was such a pass heavy uh, uh, way in which the game developed as it wore on. And, when you look at the what they did do with the passing game, and by the way, I think the guy to me who stood out, and I mean this is not stepping on any small limb here, but Samori Torre, yeah. I mean, I think that everybody has come in with great expectations for Sammy Achem, for Jerry Louis McGee, B- you know, Ben Roberts has had a uh, Mitch Roberts. No, see, I, mean, I started with the M and then I went to the B. Why do I do this? Mitch Roberts has had you know a lot of uh, you know talk and fanfare coming into this thing. Samori Torre is a guy who has. Played and played a lot for the Grizzlies and maybe has, had faded a little bit to, to the back and maybe as a, you know, a third or a fourth option. He was outstanding in this football game all the way through. Found himself open and open a lot and caught a ton of passes in this football game, as, as many guys did. But a, a phenomenal uh, job all the way around. Samari Torrey, nine receptions for 142 yards and a score. Sammy Akem, nine receptions for 158 yards and a score. How you, how you like this? Your top two guys. 18 catches, 300 yards, and two scores. Mm, probably not the day to run it. You know, Probably don't hand it off if that's going on down the field.
0: I think one of the biggest differences between pro-style offenses, NFL offenses, and I, by pro-style, I mean the West Coast offense is always going to be one of the most dominant elements at the top level of football just because of the consistency you can produce with it. But uh, there's been so many spread elements that have trickled into the NFL as well. There's been so many run-pass option elements that have trickled into the pro game as well. But I think when you're talking about college-style quarterbacks, there's a reason that almost everybody, even coaches that have been doing this forever, that have old-school principles, are gravitating towards athletic guys who can run, who can make quick decisions on their feet. And I think that's why, I mean, I voted Eric Berrier from Eastern Washington as my preseason Big Sky Conference Player of the Year. I know Jake Mayer from UC Davis is the returning Big Sky Player of the Year. I think he's the most cerebral quarterback in the league. But I think that when Barrier had it rolling towards the end of last year with the RPO stuff that Eastern Washington does, it made him literally the most unstoppable weapon in the FCS, and they rode him all the way to the national championship game because it's so often it's a feel thing. A lot of times you do get the look where it's just going to be a pass all the way when you run that RPO. A lot of times you get the look where it's going to be a run all the way, and you can see it. But a lot of times it's a 50-50 where the, the quarterback can then take it the ball and make the decision himself. And if he if he can read the short route on the whatever side he's reading, as well as the defender who's defending the run simultaneously, it's such a hard skill. It takes so much rhythm to be able to do it. But when you can, you can absolutely shred people. And if you have a quarterback who can run like Eric Berry, like Dalton Sneed, now if that guy is making the correct decision, you become to, you make it so the defense has no answer. There is nothing that they can do. I honestly thought that Dalton Sneed resoundingly announced his candidacy as the, as a candidate for the Big Sky Conference Player of the Year this year. I really did. I thought he played that well. I thought he looked like an unstoppable weapon when he when he got in a rhythm and he got it rolling. I mean, when you run that RPO and he rolls to his right and he can just read Samari Tori on a skinny post and Sammy Kim on a deep post or whatever the route tree is, if he makes the throw. It's over, and I, I just thought it was uh, such a revelation because Montana, do Steed was great last year, but I thought he looked at a whole different level
1: this year, and so much of that is just his comfortability with the reads within the offense. Totally agree. It, it, look, if you throw the ball 52 times and you have 15 incompletions, I mean, it's a win. It's a win. It, it just is. Two-Tail Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. It's the Montana Football Hours presented by Lithia Ford of Missoula. A couple other things that I wanted to point out here. And this is in the special teams game, specifically the return game. The good, Malik Flowers. Malik Flowers was fantastic. Four returns for 114 yards in this football game. 116 yards, excuse me. 30, 34 being the one. But, I mean, you average that out. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, if you're, if you're returning a kick out of the end zone, I mean, you can, you can usually say 20 yards, right, is, is going to be uh, uh, an average. He's averaging 30 yards, uh, even, you know, per, per return. That's really good, and that's him and the blockers and everybody else. So I thought that was I thought that was good. And I think there's a lot to like out of what Malik Flowers does returning the football. I thought the punt return game, though, with Jerry Louis McGee, that's so vaunted and so exciting was underwhelming. He only had one return, and make no mistake, South Dakota was kicking the ball as far as they could away from Jerry Louis McGee, did not want him didn't want to have anything to do with it. But he had one opportunity in particular, but even more than that, with, with some space. I mean, not merely to field the ball, but there were a number of fair catches called for that I felt that, I mean, he's so quick. He's so good. You gets the ball. Go. Go. Let it rip. Let's see what happens. You can get out of all of these, you know, lock and key Houdini situations and maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't, but I, I, thought, I thought the six-yard return he made was magical, actually. The, the one return he had, you go, yes, give me more of that. You're like one break away from taking this thing to the house, and that didn't really happen, and I thought there were opportunities for that. Now, I don't know if he's been, you know, sort of tempered a little bit by the coaching staff. We know how much Bobby cares about special teams, but it's not just about the return game, obviously, and he's so valuable in the pass game, too, and you don't want him to go out there and take needless hits that are for nothing or whatever, but I just thought there were some opportunities there for JLM uh, that, that we're not taking advantage of.
0: That, and that seems like a trend that's carried over from last
1: year, too, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yes. I mean, Jerry Lou McGee's best year, returning punts was two years ago under Bob Stitt as a sophomore. Yep, for sure. And and that has waned, and I'm not sure why. I mean, let's, let's be clear. He's on everybody's radar, okay? Yep. When he steps on the field and Washington Grizzly is chanting JLM, you don't need to be a genius to know maybe don't kick him the ball. It still happens, and there's still opportunities, and I think you, especially when they're limited, every one that is even a potential one, you've got to take, you take a shot at that, it seems to me.
0: Yeah, totally, and I analyze the special teams quite a bit too because I think that the special teams have, and this is not a shout to the special teams as much as a, a praise of the other elements of the Grizz. The Grizz have taken a big jump, in my, in my estimation, in terms of things like Smari Tory going from a guy who was a star to a guy who was a little bit overshadowed a year ago to a guy who spent the offseason basically behind Mitch Roberts on the depth chart to then come and overtake him and get the start and have a huge day. on that, that's, that's Bobby Houck's program in a nutshell, is challenge a guy and, and sort of use another player who's a hard worker in your position group to be a motivating factor. And then, then when the guy does live up to billing, then he, he gets rewarded for it. That's Bobby Houck's program in a nutshell. But I also think that they've taken such a big jump. Their hustle defensively, their effort defensively, their tackling defensively, that is just night and day compared to what it was a couple years ago. The special teams hasn't taken as big of a jump, Mm -hmm. I I think. Yeah. I mean, Brandon Purdy two years ago was lights out. He was a 13 all big sky kicker. He made 16 field goals. And then last year, Timmy Spencer was good early and then not very good late. And so after beating out Purdy, who had a knee injury last spring... But you know, Malik Flowers has been electric in the in the kick return game. But Jerry Lou McGee has not been, you know, the big play threat you'd hope he would be. Yet, I mean, I know it's brewing. I know what a lot of it does, like you're talking about, has factors in teams kicking away from him. But they haven't made as big of a huge jump mm-hmm. as maybe you would have expected. Mm-hmm. That said, I, I was watching the personnel that they're playing on special teams. Um some guys have stood out. I mean, they're having Garrett Graves cover kicks now, kicks and punts, which I think is great for him. It's a great fit to learn, you know, just just to get onto the field in that fashion while he still figures out where he's going to fit into the mix. The other thing I think is great is they have Robbie Houck playing on every special teams. So when you have the confidence in the guy to play him, I, I didn't really – I thought that Montana rotated way less prevalently than I thought they were going to on defense. And so when you're talking about Robbie Houck, I did not see him come out of the game on defense. And then he's playing every special teams too. So that means – I mean, his endurance level must be just tremendous. But I, I do think that when you're playing some of your more talented guys on special teams now, on kick teams, it gives them a, a, the ability to make a jump. And I, so maybe that's the thing that comes next. Um, but I think it's it's fascinating to analyze because by all accounts – Bobby Hauke and Jeff Choate are two of the best special teams coaches in the country. They both had high level jobs as special teams coordinators for really revered head coaches, Bobby Hauke for Rocky Long at San Diego state, Jeff Choate for Chris Peterson and uh, Mike Leach at Washington, Washington state, Florida, all across the country. And neither one of the special teams has been as lights out as maybe you'd expect from a special teams coach. Who's a head coach. Right. I I don't really know how to explain that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't think it's a permanent situation. I do think that the Grizz have enough young talent where once those guys get the schemes down on special teams, they have a chance to make a real jump. But I, do, I thought it was interesting because I do agree with your point. They, they haven't been as electric as maybe you'd hope.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I also, I also wonder this. I want to I ask Coach Houck this because I do think a lot of it is the amount that other teams game plan for you. So you wonder if teams are just doing weird stuff to Montana on special teams. Things they're not expecting. And if that's the case then you are winning on special teams because they're doing unorthodox and outside-the-box things to you Mm -hmm. to mitigate it. So you're winning the
1: chess match even if
0: you're not winning the individual rep.
1: Uh, One other thing I want to point out, and, and then we'll take a break, we'll come back and we'll talk about Montana State, but one guy who I think played really well last year but didn't necessarily pop mostly because of the way that he was used and the position that he plays but I thought really popped to me on Saturday was Jesse Sims. Uh, Jesse Sims played a fantastic game on Saturday. I do not know the status of his injury. It, it, he, he went down, and as far as I can, as far as I'm aware, he did not return uh, in that football game. And it was, you know, clearly like a shoulder-peck-arm deal. And so I don't, you know, I have no idea where we stand with that. But up to that point, he played an outstanding game. He had four tackles, one for loss. But his biggest play of the game... Did not show up at all when you know South Dakota smartly who hurried up to the line on what was clearly an incomplete pass down to about the three yard line ran a play just to get it off, but sat there on 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 essentially the goal line and Jesse Sims I mean he shook the offensive lineman there to guard him it didn 't even touch him and was four yards back in the backfield basically at the moment the ball was handed off and didn 't make the tackle but gave time for all the reinforcements to show up and stuff the run and held South Dakota to a field goal, which by the way was the first score of the game. If you remember Montana, you know, early it was down three, nothing. Well, could have been seven, nothing. And you know, it's a, it's a big difference, especially when it's that first score. And I thought he, and that, in that individual play was sort of a microcosm of what I thought was an outstanding day uh, for number 37 for the university of Montana. And we will, we will, Bobby Hauk has made it very clear we don't talk about injuries. Okay, so we will see what we're able to find out about his status, his health, and obviously uh, he's a significant part of what they're doing defensively and just in general. And the you know the legacy number and all of that. So uh, you know we'll we'll find out what we can. But I thought he played a fantastic game up to that point.
0: Certainly, and I, I thought it was definitely a, a spot where I got to eat some crow because I thought that his ideal position would be playing on the outside of the defensive line. And he's playing the true nose. And it, he, and Bobby Halk said that during fall camp. He said, we think that's a better spot. And I said on this show, I don't agree, but I, I should agree with Coach Halk in that situation because he obviously knows a lot better than me. And I, I agree. I thought Jesse Sims looked great. The, the worrisome part about that injury, man, like there's certain individuals that just have such prodigious strength If you get in a specific situation, to me, what I saw on that injury was very similar to a Bo Jackson-style injury where only Bo Jackson could suffer the hip injury that he suffered because only Bo Jackson is strong enough to run through a tackle like he did and shred his hip like he did. It's just like only Jesse Sims is strong enough to be getting knocked off his feet by two guys and throw his right arm out and be able to hinder the guy's progress and then have it rip back like that. I really hope it's just like a strained AC joint and not a torn pec, because the way that that fulcrum point looked, that is just so ripe for tearing. And if that's the case, that's just going to be so tragic for the kid because he worked harder than anybody yeah. to get ready for his fifth year as a Montana Grizzly. So we wish him the best. We don't like you said. We're probably not going to find out the specifics of it, but
1: um, you know, to me, I don't know. It, 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 it didn't look great to me. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Montana State. They went down to Texas Tech. They lost 45-10. to 10. I thought there were some interesting things to take out of this game for the Bobcats. Casey Bauman getting his first ever start. Had a couple of highlight moments. Uh, but also, it is the Big 12. And there is a lot of particularly speed uh, at play in that league. And uh, and it was on display as well for the Red Raiders who got the win. We'll hear from Coach Choate and uh, talk about that game next. Hey, it's the Montana Football Hour as always. And it is presented By Lithia Ford of Missoula today, today, people, is the last day to save. So hurry up and do it with Lithia Ford of Missoula. Save an estimated 20% off of the new 2019 Ford F-150s. Plus, earn complimentary maintenance through Ford Pass Rewards. The Ford F-150 features best-in-class capability for work or play. This makes tough tasks look easy whether you're working on the job or heading out on a weekend of recreation. The good deals don't stop there either. You can come in. They save a 20% off the 2019 Ford Edge, Escape, or Exhibition. It's the Hurry Up and Save Sales event with Lithia Ford of Missoula. These great deals are ending today at the close of business. You've got to get over Lithia Ford right now, this afternoon, 20% off all of those. Go check them out. Lithia Ford of Missoula. Let the
0: Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home even when you're not.
1: It's the Montana football hour. And it's time to talk about Montana State. It is 2 Tell Niwanas, one 1029 ESPN Radio, broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 and Sealy, online at KurtzPolaris.com. One thing uh, before we get into this game that I quickly want to mention, you know, we're going to be at the Iron Horse. Love it. Go down to the Iron Horse on Thursday. So I tell the people two for once. Okay. But come on down, hang out with us, and uh, put your name in the box to win tickets to the Grizzly-Oregon Duck football game. It's our second-to-last stop. Our 2 tell new summer tour at the Iron Horse downtown. Uh, so come hang out with us on Thursday. It's going to be a lot of fun to be there. Additionally, though, we're giving away tickets to this week's Montana-North Alabama game. Under the lights, the home openers for the Grizzlies. We got a pair of tickets. We're giving them away tomorrow. And we're giving them away via Facebook. So you can go to our Two or or 1029ESPN.com uh, Facebook page. And uh, there is a picture up which you can caption. And so the best caption between now and the show tomorrow is winning a pair of tickets to the Grizz home opener on Saturday night against North Alabama. So go to the uh, ESPN, 1029ESPN uh, Facebook page and uh, check out the picture there. Reply in the comments with your best uh, uh, commentary, comment quip, whatever it may be uh, on, the, uh, on the picture, and we will pick a winner uh, tomorrow on the show. Okay? So I uh, want to let you know we're here to, uh, it's football season. I could not be happier, by the way, that it's football season. And uh, th- we're going to give tickets because, you know, the point of football is just being together, right? You ever been to a football game where you were, like, the only one there? That's not that fun. The point is that we're all there. You know, and everybody's going. Bozeman, Missoula, we're doing it. Okay, so we're gonna get you up to the games uh, we continue in the Montana football hour presented by Lithia Ford of Missoula and Coulter uh, it is time to talk about the Montana State game on Saturday the cats uh, falling to Texas Tech uh, not surprisingly 45-10 I think that's you know a very well within the sort of range that you thought that this game might end up going a play here or there and this game could be very different Montana State's best Uh, moment in this game was a sequence in which they caused a fumble and recovered it on what was initially a long pass reception for uh, 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 Texas Tech. This was in the second quarter. They turn around. They kind of get stopped short. Jeff Choate in his own territory. The fake punt picks up the first down on a fake punt. And then an unbelievable throw and catch down the sideline uh, from Bauman on his first really big reception of of his career uh, in terms of of a big throw down the sideline. And then uh, the touchdown to Coy Steele in in his first touchdown as a Bobcat. uh, Beautiful. I mean, down the seam catches the thing, runs it in for 30 yards, cuts the lead to 14-7. to And at that moment, a one-score game and, you know, into the second quarter, kind of middle of the second quarter, and it's a football game at that point. You're like, okay, Montana State looking, you know, looking good. And that was uh, an outstanding sort of sequence for Montana State. Then there was a lot of speed by Texas Tech that kind of took the game over. So they were, they were outstanding that way. Let's quickly hear, before we talk about it, here from Jeff Choate, who uh, you know has never had a lack for uh, thoughts, giving his opinions and his remarks just initially after he's watched the film about the game on Saturday. Probably
4: the, the one word that I would use to describe it is speed, uh, not just the tempo at which they played, but uh, there was a pretty significant difference. Um, between how fast they were at every position and how fast we were. You know, there's a couple times you get it in the open field, and we just kind of get swallowed up. And conversely, when they got on the open field, they kind of broke things open. Um, you know, They put up a ton of, uh, ton of yards, and uh, you know, the, the, the things that we didn't really care about was the yards. We knew they were going to get their yards, but we gave up some explosive plays, particularly in the run game. That was a frustrating thing about it. Um, offensively, You know, it's just we didn't take advantage of opportunities. Um, We we got ourselves in manageable situations on third down and even fourth down and really couldn't handle their front seven. I thought 96, 53, and 51 are really, really good players for Texas Tech. But uh, I do think there were some positive things to build on. You know, we watched through the film yesterday as a team a little bit. And, um, you know, I think that Casey Bauman, the guys that maybe didn't see him hang in the pocket and take some of the shots that he did, maybe they didn't see that live. Uh, or they didn't even see it on film, and they got an opportunity to see that highlighted, I think they definitely gained a lot of respect for his toughness. I think quarterbacks oftentimes get this uh, moniker as kind of the pretty boy or frat boy, and, you know, those guys are tough guys, and uh, they're exposed. And he he took some big-time shots by big-time players. Number one, coming downhill, green-dogging on some pressures, and, I mean, put him on his back. He hung in on the touchdown, hung in on the deep pass to Kevin, um, you know, missed on the deep ball. That would have been a really significant play in the game. Uh, to, uh, to to Troy Anderson, uh, I think had we got that, that might have been a little bit different game because I think that would have changed the mojo on their sideline quite a bit. But all in all, we got out of it really, really healthy. Um, I think our kids know that they could have played better. And uh, they also know that that's the best team by far that we've played since we've been here in terms of the athletic talent and the speed. And so we're uh, on to
1: Southeast Missouri State. So there you go, Jeff Choate talking about the game, what he saw out of it. Uh, interesting on, on, uh, particularly the KC bomb in front seven of 19, not, not great. Obviously only seven completions, but did throw for 120 yards. So the completions he made were big completions. He had one uh, egregious incompletion to me on a third down play that you just got to have to keep the ball just to keep you know the clock rolling and to have possession and on that and it's it's a great play call pretty short out route and it just threw it into the ground I mean it was just it was there for a first down and you just have to make that pass especially against a team you know like like. Texas Tech where you... you, you it, just in a moment where you gotta have it and and a, a relatively simple throw and it, the thing just nosedived. I mean, it just... I don't know if it's your 6-7 it kind of gets on you. But he also made some really good throws and, to, uh, and and some big throws down the field. Kevin Cass's catch, you know, as we talked about on the sideline, was phenomenal and then, I mean, he hit Koy Steele in stride. I mean, a beautiful ball uh, for the sc- one score in this game and one touchdown uh, that they that they made. And so I thought... All in all, I thought he looked pretty good. He definitely took some knocks, which I think is a good thing by and large, you know, provided that you stay healthy, and he did. Uh, took some pretty big hits and and did it that way. The interesting thing is three other guys had five pass attempts in this game, and they were all completed. <laughs> Kevin Cassis, one for one, Troy Anderson, two for two, and Rick Tucker Rovick, two for two, uh, albeit all for short yards. I mean, two for two for four yards for Tucker Rovick. I mean, they're just kind of little dump-off things uh, to get him in the game. But, you know, Montana State overwhelmed by the size and speed, over, you know, 250 yards rushing for Texas Tech, 430 yards plus passing or, or receiving uh, in this game uh, for the Red Raiders as well. It's just the way that it's going to go. But again, I thought I saw a lot of moments where Montana State players, you know, were not being. Uh, you know, not even bears, but where they were going one for one, and especially on the physicality front, they you cannot hang with Texas Tech speed. Period. no FCS team is going to be able to do it. But there were some guys out there that could bang away with the with the Big Twelve, toe to toe physically. And I thought that was the thing to me out of this game. If I'm taking it generally, that was most impressive to me about the Bobcats. So I thought that they were physically. Uh, uh, in this game with 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 Texas Tech in a lot of ways.
0: There's a lot of mystery coming in this game with Texas Tech having a new coaching staff, but as we talked about last week, David Yost is the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. I think everybody assumed that it was going to be prevalent passing, just like Texas Tech has been known for. I think that the tempo that Texas Tech played at was even more of a surprise than maybe Montana State was ready for. Texas Tech's first possession was a 14-play possession that ended in a touchdown, and it only lasted three minutes and 20 seconds. It was just boom, 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 boom. When you let a team like Texas Tech that wants to play at that pace get into a rhythm, if you never break the chain, they're going to just kill you. They're going to steamroll you. And Montana State, I thought, it was kind of twofold. I thought that they young defensive backs because Munchie Fowler, their number one corner, was out for this game. Tyrell Thomas still get himself back into full health after struggling with injuries all year last year. So, you had guys like Lavelle Price and Tyree Gibson, redshirt freshmen, making their first career, getting their first career playing time, really. And that's a tall task in itself. But then when it's just pass after pass after pass after pass, it's just so hard unless you make a play. I thought the coverage was actually good. Texas Tech was not necessarily catching the ball and just running to daylight. There was only one real big pass play, and that was the touchdown. To, I guess so that was actually a run play, the, t- the long touchdown to end the first half. After the fake punt, that was the kind of backbreaker. Yeah. That was the big swing. Because if Montana State somehow figures out how to get a score there and makes it either 14 10 or 14 14 instead of giving the ball back, and then all of a sudden it's 21 7, then all of a sudden it's 28 7, that was where Texas Tech really got some, uh, got a cushion. But, you know, I, I thought, I agree with you. I thought the, the defensive backs competed, but they just they, they couldn't hang. No. They, they just weren't athletic enough. I thought Montana State's D line looked okay pretty good, I mean, uh, as advertised, I guess you'd say. And um, I thought that their offense showed flashes. Casey Bauman could throw the ball better than any quarterback they've had, period. He made throws that no one that they've had playing quarterback can make. That said, they have relied so much on the plus-one quarterback in the run game for the last three years. It's going to be a learning curve for them to figure out how to replace that. Bauman is going to be able to run a little better, against FCS teams than he is against Texas Tech. I mean, that's just hanging a kid out to dry. The, how many carries he you have? 10, 10, 12?
1: 10 carries for 13 yards, 1.3 yards per carry. I mean, they didn't give up a sack, which is a plus. They won the turnover margin, which is a plus. They did not They did not turn the ball over once. Nope. Uh, I thought that was very impressive for Montana State. I do, too. But on the flip side, I just thought it was kind of foolish to run Casey Bauman that much. I was surprised, too. I, I Not even, whatever, talk about, you know, how many yards he did or didn't pick up. The fact that Casey Bauman was their number two leading rusher in terms of attempts behind Isaiah right. Fonse with 15 was surprising to me. I mean, and these were not RPOs that he decided. No, they're running these, zone reads. Re- designed runs yeah. for Casey Bauman. And look, even if you want to do that during the course of the season, and Jeff Choate said, hey, man, we don't have to get a, give give away our plus one run game because Bauman's in the game. Clearly, he believes that. I was surprised that they ran him out there that much against this football team. Really?
0: The number one thing that struck me about this game, though, is how how many guys the Cats played and how little of their schemes that they ran. They played on base defense almost exclusively, mm-hmm. and they were and they ran this, their their base stuff on offense. They did not run anything crazy. Travis Johnson not being in this game, I think, hurt them a lot. Travis Johnson is, I think, unquestionably their, their best athlete other than Troy Anderson. Without Travis Johnson available, then I think you you want to scale back and not wear out Troy Anderson either. So Troy Anderson did not play very many offensive snaps. So now you have two, the only two guys on your offensive side of the ball that really that can hang athletically with Texas Tech. They're not really part of the game plan. Mm-hmm. I expect Montana State to, to run a ton of different packages with multiple different quarterbacks. We didn't see that. Right. And I think that that's part of it, though. I think that they really didn't want to show a lot. I mean, they, I, I think that Jeff Choate looked at the tape, looked at the matchup. I mean, you never want to tuck your tail between your legs. But just purely from what Texas Tech emphasizes – in the situation that Montana State was marching into, if you're playing a 3 p.m. game in Lubbock, Texas, where it's 103 degrees at kickoff, and, you, and you're you're thin at corner. That in itself, bam, you are a 35-point dog right there, just right. from the matchup you have. So I really think that Ch- Coach Choate wanted to play everybody.
1: He wanted to see what they had, and he definitely wanted to not show too much. Well, I thought, too, you know, he said, he even mentioned in that sound that there's an opportunity where there's a, a, a shot that was there to Troy Anderson that with a little bit of an overthrow, you complete that thing, and it might be to the house, and that changes the complexion of the game. And at that moment, you sit there and you go, "Okay, let's start, let's start getting into some football stuff to see if we can make some magic happen here on a Saturday afternoon in Texas." But that didn't happen. You, like you said, you have uh, uh, you know the punt all of a sudden turns into you know a touchdown going the other way, and at that point, you say, "You know what?" Let's get some kids an opportunity to say, I played in Lubbock, Texas. 11 guys ran the football. 11 dudes took a handoff and ran the football for Montana State. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven of those got one rushing opportunity and two more got two rushing opportunities. You know what that is? That's going, hey, guys, you're not going to play in the Big 12 uh, you know, or against Big 12 opponents very often. Come on out here. Carry the ball. And 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 get that experience of being out there and doing it. That's cool, and I applaud that. But you're right. Like at some point, you go, especially in the flow of the game, you go, okay, it's twenty-eight-seven at, 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 at halftime. We want to bow up. We want to play tough. We want to play strong. We want to get some guys in reps, and we want to be ready to go to Southeast Missouri State next week and have our have ourselves still covered. <laughs> have ourselves prepared to be able to show some things uh, that they're not that we haven't shown before.
0: They also got their two freshmen from Texas in the game, Tavares Hosey, Jalen Smith, both played. And that was just a product of, you know, now you can play four games, yeah. so why not let the Texas yeah. guys play? They probably had their parents there. Probably, <laughs> probably the only times their parents get a chance to see them play right. this year, so you get them in the game. So but they took they took – 65 guys of Texas and I would I would bet that they played almost everyone if not every single one of
1: them. Yeah, right uh, it is to tell it is the Montana football hour presented by Lithia Ford and uh, we'll take a quick break we'll come back we'll keep talking about Montana State I have some more uh, sound for you from Jeff Choate talking about the opponent this week, a ranked opponent and and uh, kind of what that does Uh, as you set up for now what is a very much a a, a big-time game nationally, the FCS level, uh, this coming week. So we'll get into that a little bit as well. Hey, football is back, and the Silver Slipper is your football headquarters. That's right, the Silver Slipper. Down there, 4055 US 93, just as you're headed out of Missoula if you're headed towards Lolo, or as you're headed into Missoula if you're headed from Lolo. Okay, it's right there. The Silver Slipper has a free shuttle, all the way from where they're at to every home Grizz football game. They got 56 TVs to watch sports on, drink specials every single day, a full liquor store, Tarantino's Pizzeria across there, across the street from the Super Walmart on Brooks, okay? Right there on Highway 93. Hit up the Silver Slipper, which is Missoula's favorite sports bar and casino they got some great seating situations in there a bunch of little spaces nooks and crannies to hang out with your friends games great food the pizza is you know outstanding it is a pizzeria after all people and you don't want to fight traffic you don't want to deal with parking you're coming up from the Bitterroot, maybe for a grizzly football game maybe you're on the south hill in missoula go down to the silver slipper Park your car, enjoy, uh, you know, enjoy a drink or two, and then hop on the bus for free riding to and from the Grizz football games. It's a pretty slick deal. They got the silver slipper again across uh, from the Super Walmart on Brooks. Hit up the silver slipper, Missoula's favorite sports bar and casino. Back after this. Coulter, you and I both know being healthy is a very, very important part of life. Am I right about that? Indeed, guess it is. Well, one of the things that makes... Me healthy, think you as well. Fiber, gotta have it. You sure do, man. You
0: need to eat your fruits and your veggies, your bananas. You gotta get all that stuff in.
1: Maybe even some bran. Plums. All of it. Fiber's very important. Well, guess what? Turns out it's important to communication as well. You might be surprised to learn that Blackfoot and its partners have invested millions of dollars, truly, in building a fiber optic network throughout Montana, through Bozeman and around Gallatin County, more than 30 miles of fiber optic cable have been laid by Blackfoot. That's amazing.
0: Impressive, innovative, and a perfect place with the way bozeman has been growing.
1: Click on the link below. go slash ESPN. They're not trying to sell you anything. They don't want you to do anything. They just want you to know what they're up to and how they're improving communication across the state of Montana.
0: So go to goblackfoot.com backslash ESPN now
1: to tell in Nuanes on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Missoula. What a great show, huh? The first Montana football hour that's actually happening during the football season. Yeah. The guys in the back, hard at work. I can smell the smoke coming up from the room. They're making the internal workings. of the radio works so hard. Gears are grinding. Beautiful. 2Tel yeah, yeah, yeah. Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula. Highway 83 in Sealy. Oh it is the Montana Football Hour. It is presented by Lithia Ford of Missoula. We are in it for yet another segment. And we are quickly going to hear from Jeff Choate because coming out of this football game uh, from Montana State, again, a 45-10 loss to uh, Texas Tech, they are headed to Southeast Missouri State, the number 12 team in the nation. And we're going to get, by the way, into the new stats FCS rankings in the top of the next hour. But... He was asked just simply about whether it's good to have a ranked FCS uh, or what is good, rather, about having a ranked FCS opponent opening up, uh, uh, you know, in your non-conference play.
4: Yeah, I think it shows you where you are. You know, I mean, you you can say, hey, the measuring, I mean, the things out of the Texas Tech game that I took away were, number one, we handled the environment. We didn't, we were not sloppy. We didn't turn the ball over. We didn't have pre-snap penalties. Certainly, we got... Out executed at times, and we were overmatched at times. But there wasn't a lack of effort, and there wasn't a lack of, of focus. And so now, um, now it's about taking our execution to the next level, and we're going to have an opportunity to do that against a very good opponent.
1: We'll talk a lot about this game against Southeast Missouri State because this is uh, uh, one of the biggest games in the country at the FCS level here early in week two uh, for the Mont- you know ranked Montana State team going to obviously a ranked Southeast Missouri State team, but. What he pointed out there, hey, did we have many procedure penalties? No. Did we have many uh, 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 fumbles, turnovers, interceptions? None. And they were ready to go. They certainly did not wither in the moment, did not embarrass themselves, which is we'll do in around the big sky segment later in the show. There were a couple of teams that did exactly that. By the way, there's a couple of teams that played phenomenal from the big sky as well against quality Power Five opponents as well. So this is a real gamut in the big sky this last weekend. But Montana State, uh, you know, did not, did, did not shirk or shrink from the moment, weren't intimidated by the environment. They were outplayed by a more athletic, fast football team, period, end of story. But they were ready to go, and they didn't go out there and look like amateur hour. They went out and played football, executed well, not perfectly, but well, and... You know, got a game under their belts. And this is what I said going into this game, Colter. This is the, the one luxury of this game. is This is the only game for Montana State which they will not have had or they did not have any pressure on them. Whether they felt pressure or whatever, this is a different story. Certainly nerves in first games and all that. But from the outside, everybody goes, yeah, 45-10. Okay. You watch the game? Fine. Now let's see what happens. Now let's see what Montana State looks like. And this is the one where, you know, yeah, if you're, if you're a Bobcat fan... It's the one you got to be excited for and up for, and and nervous about, frankly, because this is a this is a big big football. game. It's not a make or break deal. This is not you know a season in the balance type of game. But this is one of the best you know for as perceptively soft as their Big Sky conference schedule is uh, initially through over the, for the first three quarters of it. Their non conference schedule is a bear for the Montana State uh, for the Montana State. They, 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 it is a very very tough schedule. But now it goes from no expectations to expectations to prove it to me, to if you're the team that everybody thinks that you might be, the build that Jeff Choate has been on to this season where it's time to deliver, it starts now, this week, for Montana State. And and we're going, like he said, it shows you where you are. Yes, it's going to reveal a lot about where Montana State is here this second week of football.
0: I'm just so interested to see what the Cats' defense looks like in this game because the Cats' defense looked – I mean, they held their own against Texas Tech, but they did not look dominant. But you didn't expect them to look dominant. But I do expect them to be physically dominant when they play FCS teams just because of the personnel that they have. I mean, they have just multiple guys that are just physically more gifted than almost anybody in the entire league, maybe in the entire country. I mean, there's there's not a lot of guys playing off the edge that look like Bryce Stirk, that can run like Bryce Stirk. There's just not a lot of guys that can – move like Jaqueline Allen that are playing in the FCS. They're just not. I'm so interested to see what the, what, how big of a jump it looks like when they play a like opponent. The other thing that's interesting is Big Sky fans are familiar with Missouri Valley teams. They're familiar with Southland teams. Because those are often the matchups that the Big Sky gets in the playoffs. Not very familiar with the Ohio Valley teams. But Southeast Missouri, identity-wise, the way that they were a year ago, was very much like Montana State. This was a playoff team a year ago that won a playoff game. They lost to Weaver in the playoffs, but they went toe to toe with Weaver. They slugged it out with Weaver, and they're a team that's mean. I mean, I, I've watched them. I, I've only watched them three times, so I can't definitively say. But I, just from my impressions of the three times I did watch them, two twice in the playoffs and a little bit from their game from Southern Illinois this last week, they're a team that is mean. That's in your face. That you know, some people think potentially dirty. And I just, I'm i so interested to see how that matches up with Montana State because Montana State wants to be mean and wants to play with with a, a chip, and they want to play hard and fast and aggressive. If it, it could just be two like opponents playing against each other. I think that's going to be an interesting factor. It's going to be a slugfest in Bozeman, I expect. And it's a huge game. I mean, Jeff Choate was definitely um, – he was cautiously optimistic in his press conference. You could tell that there was some tension. That, that uh, he knows how big of a game it is, and I think that means his players will know how big mm-hmm. of a game it is on Saturday in Bozeman as well.
1: Well, they uh, uh, Southeast Missouri one and zero, but Bozeman, the home opener, the Gold Rush game, uh, a night game. These two teams, Montana and Montana State, going to be playing. Montana State's kicks off at six. Is that right? I think they're both at seven. Are They both at seven. They're I think both so. at the same time. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll check on that. But in any case, playing at effectively. No, 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock uh, for Montana State. So they'll kick off one hour before. Okay. But a couple of night games, a couple of home openers for both the uh, Cats and the Grizz. And it's going to be a, a fun night uh, on Saturday across the state of Montana. But an important one, uh, really, for both teams. North Alabama, better than people think, too. We'll talk about that uh, as well. It's so Montana Football Hour. It's presented by Lithia Ford. It's in the books. But you know what? We're going to keep talking Montana football. Montana Montana State football, look around the Big Sky Conference and hear about Dave Matthews. Why? Because Colton did it all this weekend. Greatest weekend ever. Hey, the silver slipper. Just told you about it. You got. Trust me on this, okay? This is where you want to be. Grizz football Saturdays. They got shuttles to and from the games for free all the way from the south end of the city. They're right there across from the Super Walmart on Brooks, Highway 93, headed down towards the bid route if you're coming up from the valley. Maybe you from the South Hill. Maybe it's just easier for you. You don't have to fight to find parking. You're right there next to the Country Club in Missoula. You go down there. You watch games. You hang out for the afternoon. Then you get on their free shuttle and go to the Grizz game. Don't worry about driving. Don't worry about parking. Don't worry about any of it. Let them take care of you. In the Silver Slipper, 56 televisions. That's a lot, people. Plenty of little nooks and crannies to hang out in. They got a pizzeria. It's called Tarantino's. It pops out good pizzas. I'm telling you. I've been there. I know this. I know the good pizzas. You can get it at the Silver Slipper. Trust, trust trust, me on the pizza front, okay? People just do that for me, okay? They got a full liquor store in there, drink specials every single day. Hit up the Silver Slipper. It's Missoula's favorite sports bar and casino. Again, just on the south end of the city, headed out of town on Brooks across from Walmart. And on game day, No better place. Get yourself a free shuttle safely to and from the Grizz Games. Don't battle parking. Hang out. Have fun and enjoy it all the way through with the Silver Slipper.
2: Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, We have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not.
0: It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear.